When the slow season hits, what's a good way to keep cash coming in, your employees paid, and keep those lights on? All right, welcome to the Field Famous Podcast, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin, I just want to remind you that the best place to get this podcast and to receive new episodes is on your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find the Field Famous Podcast. If you prefer to watch uh, in a video format, you can do so at YouTube. You can find all those links at BeFieldFamous.com. Com. Our guest for today's show is Scott Young, president of Certified Lights. Scott, are you ready to be field famous? I am ready to be field famous. You are ready to be field. I always tell people it doesn't matter if people say they're not because they're going to be field famous anyway, but I appreciate yeah. the, the answer and the affirmative. All right. So, um, Scott, we always like to first introduce, obviously, who you are, um, you know, what you do now. But then I want to sort of go into that question that I'm sure you get is how, how did you get here? Uh, in your career, right? Like where, where did it start and where did it go? So first, why don't you just introduce, excuse me, introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, Scott Young, I uh, currently have a company called Certified Lights and we have a sister company, Certified Lighting Pros. So uh, our Certified Lights is a training and distribution company for lights, specifically Christmas lights is our big part of that. And then we have Certified Lighting Pros where we do Christmas light installation, uh, landscape lighting installation, event lighting, wedding lighting, basically any kind of uh, event you're going to have with lighting. We do that on our installation side. So I, you know, I've been, I've been seeing this business now, obviously now I remember hearing about it more recently. I'm seeing it, you know, and seeing it and seeing, I'm actually seeing it in ads. I'm seeing it show up on, on the search engines and stuff. So that's a, it's a thing. Um, And maybe it always was, I just didn't have visibility, but being in this industry now, I see um, you know, a lot of these pest control shops are are are, are, are doing that, and these other home services they're using that also as a way to supplement income and revenue in times where it might slow. I want to talk to you about all of that, but I want to I want to know the journey to how you got um, to certified lights. That wasn't where you started, I am assuming. So take take us back and let us know a little bit about that journey. Um, I'll take you way back. Let's, if let's you're go. Opening up the door. Let's, let's open go the doors. Deep. Let's go open the doors. We'll have a little therapy Let's do session it. here. I'm going to sit back. Um, there you go. So I'll go all the way back to high school where my dad owned a pest control company. Okay. And, you know, small shop, you know, just making payroll, that stuff. So in the summers in high school and in college, I remember uh, working for him in Houston, Texas. And he had a lot of apartment property. So I would be going up and down the stairs in summer Houston in 90 degree heat, 95% humidity. And, you know, life teaches you lessons. And my lesson from that was I'm never going to be in pest control. <laughs> I went on, I got my finance degree, got an MBA and worked for an oil company for 10 years. Very different route. It's completely different route. Wanted to be as far away as I could How from long it. did he have the biz, by the way? Was it always his business or no? It started in, he worked, uh, he you can go further back. He went to college, the University of Houston, the same place I went. Okay. And his best friend and a fraternity and all that was the owner, the Terminex franchise owner in Houston that had all of Houston, his son. And so that's how my family originally got in pest uh, control was he graduated. His best friend said, why don't you what? come work okay. for our company? All right. Randomly like that. Okay. So he was always in sales and eventually later in life started his own company, you know, 
it's it's always difficult to start your company, but it's never too late. He started it, uh, and I and, and my perspective is I don't want to be in that business. So, uh, being from Houston, of course, I hired on with the oil company. Yep. Uh, naturally. Yep. And uh, moved all around the country, including Wilmington, Delaware. I think you said you're from Jersey. Yep. So I actually lived in that area for a while. Uh, and then my dad got sick with cancer. So 10 years into my career with my old company, which I was super happy with traveling around the country, moving around, um, I got kind of forced to go back into the business. I took a leave of absence for a year. My dad battled for five years. Part of that was while I was still working, it got to the point that he needed full-time care. So my brother and I basically took care of him for uh, a year or two. And I was, so I went back into the business to help my brother, who has always been on the operations sides working with my dad. And my dad did all the, you know, books and finance and marketing and that stuff. So went back and helped him, took a leave of absence for a year. My dad ended up passing away. And I found that I actually liked the entrepreneur spirit. So, um, Instead of going back, well, I actually did go back for three months and then told my boss, look, I'm sorry, but I really enjoyed being able to make my own decisions and, right. uh, you know, that entrepreneurial part of it. So, Which is, a, which uh, but, by the way, I'm, so, I'm sorry to hear about no, your dad ahead. passing, but like, it, it, this is a different, you, what you saw as a kid going up the steps in the hot Houston place was a different side of the business than what you may have saw as you got older, right? And like, you know, and Absolutely. with someone coming out of a business world, you know, when you're a kid, you don't see the business side. I don't, you don't see the business side of anything. You know, you see like, this sucks. I'm out here in this hot, you don't, but you don't see the business side, right? So now you're seeing it from a different angle. So I imagine it might've like opened it up a little bit and you saw something a little different. It really did. You know, maturity does that to you as you get older, you realize things are not always what you originally thought they were. And so, you know, that was my very narrow perspective is I don't, I didn't really want to be in the service business. I didn't want to be in the pest control business. You know, I saw my dad struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out it was more just his, uh, he was a better salesman than he was a business owner. Mm-hmm. He was an awesome salesman, national of the year mm-hmm. for Terminix, that kind of stuff. But oftentimes those sales guys aren't business people. Mm-hmm. So I realized that, you know, it could be a really good business. and You could grow it and you could make a lot of money with it. So from there, my brother and I opened up, uh, this, we had a branch in Houston. We opened Corpus Christi and then we opened Dallas and we were growing the business. So when you uh, got it, let, let me let me ask you this. When you came in there, how big was the business roughly? About $400,000. Okay. And was that in that one location you were serving, the one that area? one location Okay. In so then you said you added two more. Is that what you said? Correct. Okay. All right. We were actually, to, for a lot of the audience out here will probably- know or have heard about this and they haven't even actually used them, but we did the door-to-door salesman, basically yep. Mormons. I don't know if you've heard of that. If you've been around the industry, you know about that. So we were early days, 1999, and it really, we opened our branches just use, utilizing them and it was a great uh, return on your investment back then. I, I don't know now. It got to you the got point. a quick base of customers in, right? You go, you bank. Quick base of yep. customers at a reasonable uh, customer acquisition cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and not very many uh, cancellations, which changed over time with that model. Um, but but it was a great way to get into a market. So we grew those. We went from four hundred thousand to about two million dollars in about five years. And the old uh, hard to work with family and friends started becoming true. My brother and I were having kind of issues with each other. Just saw had different ways of going about stuff. So. To save our relationship, we decided to, I was actually in a conference in Florida and talked to the president of Terminix at the time and 
long story long, is they gave us an offer and we ended up accepting it. We sold our Houston branch and then I took Dallas and he took Corpus, okay. formed two different companies and grew those from there. Um, I even have old certified uh, cups, which is our old logo nice. and has all of our nice. branches on there. So nice. we kept the same branding. So we were able to co-brand stuff, but we formed two different companies. By chemicals so you can together. make your decisions without having to go and get in the conversation, which is where, yeah, that makes it. Yep. Really improved our relationship. Yep, I'm sure it did. It's hard. I, I mean, this is a it, business where there's a lot of family and familial situations, pest control or a lot of these home service, right? And undoubtedly, it, those family conversations are hard enough when it's just about family. You know, when when money gets involved with it and livelihoods become like, I mean, man, it's inevitable that there's going to be some there. I mean, I, it's not easy. I can I have never been in it, but I can imagine it's not easy. Well, I think that's why it's hard to get to that third generation. You know, it just um, it's difficult. It's difficult. Business is difficult. Period. People think, oh man, you're a business owner. You got it made. It's the hardest job you'll mm-hmm. ever have. And it's one of the most rewarding, and that's why people do it. But there's a lot of people who can make more money just being an employee mm-hmm. uh, and not work the hours. So there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and that go into owning and growing a business. But uh, for us, it was more of a matter of personnel and strategy. I'm 80-20. Like, if I get a certain amount of information, I'm ready to move forward, give it a try. If it doesn't work, pivot. And he's think about it, think about it, think about it, and think about it some more. So, <laughs> Drove me crazy. So it was more of a strategy business kind of um, difference that we had. Can I, let me ask you this question. This is a, just thinking about this from like an operational perspective. So you let you have you have one entity with three locations. You sell a location. You keep two, and they're two separate companies. Um, however, they may be branded, but they're two separate companies. Now the employees who made up that company when it was one and three. Now, what, how, do you, how do you divide up? How does that work? So do you know what I mean? By, are you hiring all new? Is it who gets to say, I, I'm going to take Chris. Chris is going to be my service manager and you'll take, you know, Susie. How, how, is it all just conversation? Is things naturally unfold? Is that challenging? I've, I, I've never really thought about something like that before. Yeah, and now that you mentioned that, I hadn't really thought through that either, ironically and kind of strangely. But uh, the uh, one reason I probably we didn't need to too much is 90%, 80% of our revenue. It was all run out of Houston. Mm, I see. Uh, we were doing about $400,000 in Dallas and I think okay. 150000 in Corpus. So they were very small branches. We, we had just kind of opened them up in the last couple of years, few years. Uh, so there wasn't a big issue there. Uh, we kept basically the people in those branches. that Got it. Uh, and they just continued with us. So so then you took that and that was the one. Then you started to grow that. Is that right? That was the next Correct. phase? Okay. So, so the next phase was I uh, had Dallas, grew that, and then opened up San Antonio and Austin. Uh, again, not huge branches, but... You know, I think before I sold again, they were doing um, six hundred thousand, right. something like that. All right. Um, and did you were you on were you knocking dance. doors then too, or no? It was different. Mm-hmm. Okay, same thing. At that early stages, we were, and then um, that's how we opened that up. But that was just about the time two thousand five is when we sold. So my brother kind of partnered in two thousand two thousand five. We sold again. I. We sold the Houston branch in that name and the company, and then 
form new companies with the other branches individually. Um, and then I, I grew uh, Dallas and Houston, I'm da- da- uh, San Antonio and Austin, um, and the combined grew from there. So in 2005, I was growing and, and we had been growing in Houston. It was becoming really hard. You know, people have Dallas and Texas has always had a low unemployment. It's just the, the business is always seems to always be booming except for those short periods. But in 2006, I was starting to grow again once I took over the, the branch, the Dallas and made it my own and really focusing on the growth. And I had gotten so tired of laying people off in the spring. Houston was better because you didn't have as much cold, but maybe 20% of our business, mostly one-time services drops off every winter. And, you know, you're not going to make, you can't carry 20%. Right. You don't want to have, cost. it's like the most daunting thing to have to relook and get people just, yeah, no. Yeah. Nightmare. Yep. And then, so every spring yep. I'm looking for people, all my people I let go get gobbled up pretty quickly because yep. they're good trained employees. Right. And I'm left with finding the, the ones that are available in the spring. And that's not normally a good place to start. So, Literally two years, I was trying to figure out what do I do during that time of year to fill the void that's going to be a good add-on business and, you know, still make money and all of that. And I, in our trade magazines, um, I actually have pest control technology back here. Um, I would see Christmas light installation and I'm pretty conservative financially. So uh, I did a pro forma with a $500 per house uh, installation price. And I thought to myself, who is going to pay five hundred dollars to have Christmas lights installed? I've learned more, more ironically, more a lot yeah. and a lot more. So um, I kicked it around for two years, and I finally, my general manager, I said, "Let's do this and let's get after it." And I'm pretty good once I make the decision going forward. Um, and so we went to a company in Houston, and they trained us. Uh, it was five thousand dollars the training. And the best five thousand dollars I ever spent. Um, our first year we did one hundred and forty thousand dollars in sales in Christmas lights, and our second year we did three hundred and sixty thousand dollars in sales in Christmas lights. And that's over like a what what period? How over what period of time of the year? Couple uh, months. You're literally installing for two months. November, December. Days, is it really October and November? Uh, ironically, uh, you don't install a lot in December, and generally, like about the fifth, we stop because people paying thousands of dollars, a thousand, fifteen hundred, thirty five hundred dollars want more than twenty days. So I the customers see. that we were going after don't want to do at that point. In fact, most of them want it turned on over Thanksgiving so they can have a longer time period I with those. Yeah, um it. and so that that just turned out to be an amazing business, the cash flow from it. So um I I, I train companies now on how to uh start or improve and run your Christmas light business. 17 years of experience now, we basically have a franchise type package that's A to Z on how to do it. And I tell everybody, if you're not making 30% or more net margin, wow. you shouldn't be doing wow. it. So, well, so, so can, I, can I ask you about the business a little bit? So, the, so the, you brought up the margin. So I'm thinking here, 
the expenses. So you obviously have, you have labor, but I'm assuming the labor is your labor that you have, right? It's your labor, right? That you're, it's, you're not bringing it. Are you bringing in additional employees just for this time of year as well? You, you, you have people or no, or are you just using the staff that you're operating out of all year? If this is, if well, this is like when it's part of a pest control or just another shop, not right. And I think that's, that's what I love about, you know, working with y'all is because my history is kind of what was uh, pest routes and now field routes is, um, you know, my background is most of the y'all's customers' background. You know, we know it's expanding into other services. And I was with Pest Routes forever. I remember the very, when you know, if we first started here locally out of the Dallas market, I'd go into the office and I was so happy to have them. They helped me build my business over that time. But, you know, that base of folks, customers y'all have, my background so similar to them, so I, I get excited when I when I talk to folks about you know how they this will help their business. So, um, I kind of got lost track. The, of the, I, what I was asking was, in other words, the like I'm looking at the you mentioned the margin, so then I'm thinking of expense, right? So I'm thinking to myself, what's the expense of that? So you have a labor expense, and then I'm wondering about the actual lights. Do you own the lights, or does does the homeowner purchase the lights? And then you store them and then you sort of bring them out every, do you know what I mean by that? Like, what is the model? Absolutely. Who owns what? That's a, that's the one of the biggest um, questions or debates in our industry. But I'll, I'll, I'll answer the first one about the labor first because you're right on track. Those are the two biggest costs, just like most businesses. Labor is number one and then your product cost is number two. The labor was, again, originally the idea was that I would, be able to keep my employees right. You just on. use bills now here, and then bill is just going to come over here, kind of thing, right? Okay, and I don't have to lay bill right off. exactly. And and so um, the irony was, you also hit on the head is I ended up having to hire more. So I didn't expect to grow <laughs> the revenue line like I did, but I don't do anything half. Right. So I'm I'm a Type A personality, and I get after it. Once I started going and saw the kind of business it could be, I really pushed it, especially. Um, it really helped because again, we started in 06, 07, everything was awesome, you know, economy great. And then the 08 mm-hmm. hit and it totally fell off in 09. And I had to lay half of my technicians off. Um, I had customers just basically saying, look, unless it's free, I got to cancel. I can't pay my mortgage right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Everybody experienced. So, but the irony of the Christmas lights was I don't think I lost one customer. A, a good percentage of them had to reduce their amount they were paying. So if it was twenty five hundred, oh, so you're saying if 15. it was the pe- the home service, like the pest control service, they sh- they were no. But with the lights, they yes. kept. Jeez, really? I had to lay off half, at least forty percent of my technicians at the time, um, and I, I would have been in real trouble. But the Christmas lights saved me. Like I just lessened and reduced the price tag on it, but none of them quit. I mean. I serve a very high end in Dallas, so you know the wealthy are still going to do Christmas lights with economy soft or mm-hmm. not. But um, so that turned into a growth division for me. It was originally added on as let's keep our people like busy, let's try to make some money. Almost, yeah, cash flow just dropped to the bottom line, and so a key that I tr- in our training is I tell companies because almost anyone that does Christmas lights is adding it on to current business, that same model. Like you have a bell curve of busyness in the summer. Right. You want to get the to shoulder months up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Keep that revenue stream more yeah. flat yeah. and not falling off. Yeah. Keep your employees busy. But I had no idea the demand that was there and the profitability that was there. So 
I started growing that Christmas lights and it was just spinning off cash. Now, as a business owner, you can do two things when you're dropping cash to the bottom line, right? Reinvest the spending spree or you can reinvest, (laughs) right? You can go buy boats or new sports cars. I'm the reinvest guy. So I think at that time, my pest control was doing um, maybe a million and a half. Um, Let me think about 2005. Um, yeah, it was probably doing just over a million dollars. And in the next, um, 10 years, I went to almost $6 million. And most of that increase was taking that cash from the Christmas light business and reinvesting it in advertising and marketing and equipment and so it's a it's an amazing add-on business in the fact that it doesn't just keep your employees busy and doesn't just add some revenue, but it really spins wow. off cash that you can, you can just take and put it in and go and go and go. Wow! So you, so, so you were you were you were you were surprised at how it took off and how it how it really took right? Because I think when yeah, I, when I hear about it, I, I had the same thing, and I'm I'm hearing about all these people doing it, and I'm like, wow, this must be a real thing. But I mean, it's a short period. I guess the next jump, and maybe you're going there, is like, is this something you can just do? Or does it always have to be with something else is the, is the question, right? So I, I'm going to jump back a little bit because I didn't answer your question about the- Oh, and we'll the, get into the who the, owns the lights, right. Yeah, because yeah. that, that comes down to the fundamental, what we train on. So we do, we, we had a three-day training. We do some on, we have some on-demand on our site, but our biggest is a two-day training. It's- uh, a day of full classroom and go everything from A to Z. Like, you know, if you, ha- we can talk about how you form your company or your LLC, um, the marketing sales, the equipment you need, um, how to put proposals together, market pricing, average, all that stuff. And a big part of that discussion in the classroom is our model. So the way we train is how we do, how our whole installation company grew. And it's not a franchise. It's like a franchise model has franchise level support forms, brochures, um, processes, but it's not. You can take anything we have once you go through our training and become a partner and you can change it however you want. You can you can modify it to what fits you, your market, your personality. So you don't have to hold desires. it to like a strict franchise standard, if you exactly. will. Exactly. Okay. Right. Um, I, I went through that whole franchise process and I realized I never want to be a franchise because as an individual business owner, as an entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs want that freedom to do what they yeah. want to do. They're, they're hopefully smart enough to recognize to know what they don't know and to go out and get right. that information to seek training because coaching and training is how you get from uh, a good company to a great company. I mean, there's nothing, no shame in going out and borrowing ideas or implementing other people's ideas, improving your business. Super important to get to that next level. Um, so we started doing classes and part of that training on that first day of classes is discussing how our business model is, which is a full service business model. When we approach a customer, we tell them, uh, we're, we're gonna design your, uh, your, your installation, we're gonna design your Christmas decorations, we're gonna install it, we're gonna maintain it with a 24 hour reservice policy, we're gonna store your product, we're gonna test it all in our warehouse before, we're gonna take it all down, store it, we're gonna, we're gonna test it all in our warehouse before we come out next year, and it's the same price every year, there's not gonna be a price increase. You can, you can change your design. You can change your colors. You never have to buy lights. If something goes wrong, it's all inclusive. Mm. So what that does is 
put the customer like, oh, that sounds great, right? So I just walk outside and my house has beautiful Christmas lights on every year. Exactly. You write me a check, you give me a credit card. And anytime, and most of your audience will know this and you know this, is you can direct your customer in whichever way you want Mm -hmm. if you take control of that conversation. Mm -hmm. So when people call and we don't say, oh, did you have something in mind? Because they'll give you all kind of crazy stuff. And we have scripts that help the folks learn how to do this. And one of the first things we talk about is when they call in is, Ask them, hey, our minimum is fifteen hundred dollars. That fit your budget. So your your minimum may be five hundred, seven, or whatever it is. You don't need to carry on a long conversation in Christmas lights where time is. I mean, year yep. round, everybody yep. wants to try to get as much business in. Yep. We've got fifty install dates. Yep. It's it's. You yeah. know, I tell employees when I hire them in the season, like, hey, if this doesn't work out for you and it doesn't work out from us, no hard feelings. Right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. We're gonna. Yeah. And so that's mainly if it doesn't work out for me, you're going to be gone. gone, But I'd like to put that out there. (laughs) So it it gets you through a lot of leads and gets you to the people who really are interested. And then we do that all inclusive, which allows us to own the product. And and most of the people that started in this industry for the last 10 years have been on what they call the the sell model. There's like lease or sell. And when you sell a product to the customers, it's amazing you you, you tapped into that and had that question because it is one of the biggest debates and the mm. thing that I think separates the 30 plus percent margin companies from the 12 or 10 percent margin companies is uh, because what happens is after year one, say I do 100,000 the first year, I've got to buy, it's approximately 40 percent, 30 to 40 percent of your cost will be product that year one. You're, you're going to make money, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And you, if you're not efficient, you're not, you may not make money. But year two, Say I double my value, so my revenue line. So now I'm doing two hundred thousand, but I only need twenty thousand in product because right. I have already purchased that. Year three, I'm at three hundred thousand, but now I only need ten percent of well, that. How so, don't you? Oh, no, if you continue to grow, don't you have to have always more? Pro- isn't the product always spoken for if the customer remains? Do you know what I mean by that? If you have a hundred sets of lights for a hundred customers, then you add a hundred more. You need to buy a hundred more sets of lights. So are you always having to buy? Am I missing something? No, you are. And I've got a pro forma, a five-year pro forma that I go, anybody who takes our training, I'll walk them through it. We can put in all different kind of numbers, what your goals are, what your revenue, what your growth is. And what happens is, so if I I have $100,000 in revenue year one and uh, 80% renewal is about our renewal, we renew 80%. Which in a metroplex like Dallas or a large metroplex, you get ten or fifteen percent people moving in and out, so you, you have turnover. So eighty percent is really good. But if I the other twenty percent that don't renew, if I if I only do a hundred thousand dollars year two, I've already bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of product. So I take that twenty percent. I just install these new customers with that. I buy zero product. I got you. So year two, you have zero product costs. That 40% I goes got you. directly And then that line. percent of the bigger number, now you have more. So every year, exactly. I got you. And so your, okay. so your percentage of, of product costs go from 40 right. to 30 to 25 to 20 to 10. Ours runs about 12%. Wow. So your, so your top revenue number goes up and your bottom line is getting better as you go, go, go. So it's just like, it's like a, it's a natural cash machine there. That's, that's pretty cool. My brother, so he, and now I'm going to answer your other question about, can you do this without having another business? So when we sold to, uh, I don't know if I should say who we sold to, but we sold to a large national company in 2018. I'll let y'all read between the lines. Um, and 
my wife was like, okay, finally you can semi-retire. I decided I was just going to keep this Christmas light as an installation business, uh, cash flow that and live off of that and my yep. money for myself. Yep. Um, I did that for a year and my entrepreneurial spirit said, okay, what, what are you going to do, do now? now? You're not that old. What am I so, do now? Um, I do have outside hobbies, I promise, but I, but I do enjoy business and, and that part too. So that's when I thought about franchising this and put the whole franchise package together. That was, uh, and I was ready to launch in March of 2020. Mm, and then something happened. And something happened. Mm-hmm. And not many people were interested in doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I take all this money I spent on this franchise package and put it on the shelf. Enjoyed my 2020. I was out in the pool in the backyard just hanging out. Uh, so, But this is almost two years now of, of hanging out. So uh, once that got passed and we realized the world wasn't ending, that I decided, okay, I'm going to go at this. I'm going to take it off the shelf. I'm going to do something with it. But I'm going to pivot from the franchise. I'm going to do these partnerships yep. where expand the people. Now people can come in, the people I can help. That you know, It's not a big cost to them up front. Um, it, you know, they can add it to their business and really improve their family's lives, their employees' lives, and all that. And so I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that because I'm seeing it work now. This is our third year into the training and distribution. And Companies are, that really take it to heart come back and say, man, we just completely changed how we did Christmas lights. And a big part of that is that uh, lease versus sell model because they see the cash flow that comes from it. And they tell me think just little things like having a um, a minimum when a customer calls in. They say, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Like my prices, I've doubled my prices. I just had a company in Houston said, we almost got rid of all of our 60 customers we had because they were so low priced. We tried to increase them, but most of them canceled. We only did 30 customers this past season, more. but we made double the yeah. money. Mm-hmm. So it's the model that, that gets them there. And uh, that that starts dropping that cash flow, all-inclusive model. So how how does it work for me if I want to get into it? Do So I engage with you and you provide obviously all of this information and all of this modeling, but is there also your real, is it, is it, am I then good? I'm good to go. And then I go do it, or am I still working with your company in some way? And is there a, is there a monetary exchange there? Or they just pay for the up, they pay for the guidance and the material, et cetera. And then they go on their own. What, what is the relationship like? I love that question. That's a great one. And, and um, right now there's zero cost. Um, and, and, and I've even had people say, uh, in fact, one of the guys in Houston that changed his business said, you know, when I sent my son up there and, his, and one of my employees to train with you. I was almost certain he was going to call me halfway through day one and go, dad, why did you send me this? This is just <laughs> horrible. And he said, he did, I didn't hear from him at all. He came back and he was one of the guys that said, we got to change everything we do. And so uh, step one is, is going to our website, certifiedlights.com, and we have a training tab, and you can go through that. They can also, there's info at Certified Lights. They can contact us. We're really big on working with people individually. Some people are kind of self-motivated and taught and can get in there and, and navigate. If, if they're not, we work you know, through email and, and help them get signed up. Um, but the first step is definitely getting the training I, w- I would suggest if anyone wants to get this, and it doesn't have to be through us. There's other companies out there training, but 100% get training because I know it seems simple putting up Christmas lights, but so is pest control or you know mowing your yard. But there's a lot of ways you can save time and money and make sure it's a business and yeah, not I just- I don't find putting up Christmas lights to be simple, see? So that's, that's me. So th- this whole thing is well, becoming more appealing go, to me. It's just putting up Christmas lights <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, 
we, we do some houses that have like 500,000 mini lights in them. Oh, it's crazy. Goodness. So, um, so that would be step one is, is getting the training, training, whether it's through us or somebody else. Um, but for us, in fact, I, I've, I've had probably six one-on-one meetings this past week where I go out to partners and have a 45-minute discussion of whatever they want. You know, how'd your season last go, uh, 2022 season? What, you know, what did you need to improve from that? How can we help you grow in 2023? Uh, let's look at the pro forma. Let's, let's see what your goals are and what you're going to need to get there. So our ultimate goal, and, and again, we're in year three of this, so we're building it out and growing it, is to support our partners to, to get to the growth levels and profitability that we know they can get to. Okay. Uh, in fact, we're building out 12 months of webinars right now. And I, and I cause it was part of my one-on-ones. I've got a lot of feedback from the partners of cash. You know, I, I planned on doing this. I had all these things I was going to do. And then October was here or November was here. And so, because most of them have that other business. And so we're going to do monthly webinars that kind of lead up mm. to what you need to do along the way oh, that's to a good be idea. prepared. I love that. Cause we were guilty. When I had my pest control, man, October came fast. Yeah. I'm like, God, that's here again. Right. And we didn't, we got to yeah, fix the trailers. That, gotta, that time, it's like constant, constant, constant. And then you get to that October, right? And you're like, oh no, now I got to deal with all. Right. So this is going to be delivering stuff along the way. Is that like, as you get. Along the way, yeah. we've got a, a, a Facebook page and, and group. So we have a lot of chat in there. We post a lot of learnings and quick, quick learnings and stuff like that. Um, but we're, our goal is to, to continuously build our support for the partnerships to improve, you know, every aspect of how they do in Christmas lights. Cause if they're, so our whole partnership agreement is one page. And the only thing that a partner needs to do is buy their product through us. Okay. Got it. And what I love about that, and I tell people all the time, like a franchise, they're collecting their yeah, they're five getting, or seven. They're getting all sorts of fees. Yeah. They're getting marketing no matter how you and do. marketing you minimums. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah losing money and they're getting their cut. Yep. I don't, that's not how I believe it should be. I don't believe that's fair. Uh, I pay my folks on production. It's something we teach in our classes. If you're the best installer, you should get paid the best. Right. And they do, and they get paid well for us in our model. Um, but our partnership basically says, if you're not growing and buying more product, we're, right. we're not going right. to make money. You, right? you make money when they make money. Is that exactly. Yeah. So it's tied in like that. Yeah. In fact, in my installation business, I have six warehouse people because of the distribution, also the size of our, we did $1.45 million, almost $1.5 million in Christmas light installation this past season. Wow. Oh my God. Crazy. That's crazy. I would have never, it's I would insane. Have never thought that. I would have never two thought day, that. Two months of installing Christmas that's lights. Wild. And that's at a 30% net margin. But then so again, people can, do crazy and wild stuff on Christmas. It's Christmas is like a, you know, Christmas negates a lot of our normal logic in life, financially, sometimes, you know, per, like, cause it's Christmas time. Things get a pass. You're going to spend a little more money in Christmas time. You're going to do things maybe you wouldn't normally do. It's Christmas. It's a holiday time. So like, you know, it's capturing that feel. And I'm, it's not, you don't say like, we're not hijacking. That's what Christmas does. Christmas pr- presents itself in a way that makes you spend more money. It's just what, I mean, it's a part of the thing. So when I say I could have never imagined now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I guess I could see it. I guess I can see why that that would be such a thing. And in the context of this business and in, in, in field and past home, there is that concern for a lot of people like, man, it's going to slow down. What am I going to do? And this just seems like a very logical, smart way to feed that cash and keep the cash flow in and keep it 
keep it coming in in times where it's slow. I'm looking at the timer. I have a, a question I want to ask you before we have to, to, to close this. So to excuse the transition, but I want to make sure because you have this interesting background in selling. And I want to ask this question. Whenever I talk to someone that has sold, um, I like to ask them, one, was that your primary goal always to sell? And two, if it is, do you do you grow your business and do something differently to get there in a different way than if you were going to have your business for a long period of time? Frequently, people tell me, no, I just have a, nice, a good business. But also, also times I've heard people say, well, I particularly were focusing on this area. So I'm just curious about, about that part. Yeah, from the greater pest control, and I'm always open if anybody ever wants to contact me off this, um, I'll give them whatever knowledge I have. And it was 20 plus years in pest control. So um, the first time around, I definitely wasn't thinking about selling, although I even knew back when my dad had it, and I think most people that own a pest control company, because of the large national companies, there's always a willing buyer and it's a pretty good uh, buying price. And it's you know a good way to... to create a nest egg for retirement for yourself, if that's your goal. The first time around, I didn't have that. The second time around, it wasn't my goal, but I always have in the back of my head, like um, I didn't care about making a lot of money along the way. I care about, cared about getting the, the growth out of my mm-hmm. company. And again, that Christmas site helped do that, but also I didn't take a lot out. You know, I lived nicely, I took trips, uh, but I, I, I put it back into my business. And it's an easy way to, to build and create a sellable asset when you're ready for retirement. So uh, somewhere in between, I didn't, it wasn't my original goal, but I always had it in the back of my mind. And when I did sell in 2018, my reasoning was, first of all, I was getting an email or a letter in the mail every week. uh, We want to buy your business. And it's hard to not respond to Mm -hmm. some of that, at least look at it. And then I had some personal stuff going in my, on my life uh, that I felt like it was best for my family and myself that I, wind down a little bit. Uh, again, that's where my wife was like, I thought you were winding down. What happened to that whole uh, plan we had? So, um, but prices were at the right point. My business had grown. I just, uh, one of my proudest moments is this, uh, PCT 100. I remember, you know, when my dad had it, when I first started, I'm like, man, what would that be like to be in the top 100? That would be amazing. And so literally the, the year before I sold, we, we made the list. I think we were at 98 or something. Um, that's, all, that's great. Yeah, it was pretty cool. My, my dad had passed, but I know he, he was looking down going, you, you know, thumbs it. up. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. So um, it just made sense for me at the time to sell. I, I, I loved growing the business, pest control. You know, you get a good employees. We had a great workforce and all that, but that's where we were. And you wouldn't say focus on this one thing if that's your if your goal is to sell, you want to make sure you have A and B done. I mean, because you know there you obviously have to have a good business with growth. You got to have money coming in. You got to exhibit growth. I imagine there's margins that they're looking at, right? Is there a particular area where you found that they, meaning a buyer, would pay particular attention and make you more attractive? Yes, I, there's definitely differences in you know if you're doing a million dollars or ten million dollars. Uh, whatever your revenue is, comparative companies, uh, they don't shockingly look as much at the profitability because they figure, you know, you could be a not a good operator, not be as profitable, right, like we but they're going to take it, right, it. Yeah. But what they do like to look at is the prices that you're charging. Uh, they want you to be a top towards the top of the market and they want it to be long term. So if you're doing the door to door and you've got a lot of um, mm. 
business, but it's been short-term mm-hmm. growth just recent, mm-hmm. and you're getting a lot of cancellations. They're not going to value that like if you have six, like eight, stable, ten-year yeah. customers that are stable. One of the things that I don't know how the industry is now, but I did. I went to it way before most companies is I had a call center and I told my call center, I don't want to ever hear quarterly pest control. You can't say quarterly pest control. We provide guaranteed pest control and it's $29.95 a month. And I want you to get them all set up on credit cards. And I think more companies are doing that now, but back when I did it 10 years ago, it really got my business going in the right direction because it's such an affordable amount for people. And I had a hard time because the whole industry forever has been quarterly pest control at you know $95 or $125, whatever it is. But that lower price point, putting on a credit card people were used to, and it really was able to get us going. And I would suggest that for anybody out there that wants to build that business, that will help you. And, and those companies love seeing that uh, press a button and charge credit I'm cards. I'm sure they month. do. They just want to come in there and have a stable efficient situation. I guess that that you're right. That makes sense with the profitability because they could just shore that up like they do big yeah. businesses, right? That's what they do. Look at the margins. Um, so, all right. So we're, we're running out of time here. So here's the thing that I do with the guests in the last, I get this uh, rapid fire part. It's, it's like, so what I'm going to do is ask you like X or Y. And the first thing that comes to your mind, you're going to tell me what's your preference, all right? It doesn't, if some of these might be wacky and some of them you'll get, um, and then it's funny because as we listen to all the guests, it's interesting to see how, how they respond to the similar things. So you ready for this? Here we go. I like it. Texting or talking? Uh, texting. Dark or milk chocolate? Uh, dark. Cats or dogs? Dogs. I heard dogs in the background. I knew you were going to say that. Yes. Summer, summer or winter? Uh, winter now. I used to be all yeah, summer, but winter, as I get older. And Christmas time, more lights. Mor- uh, morning or evening? Uh, morning. Morning. Which I used to be night. Salty or sweet? Uh, salty. Nickname you used to be called? Did you have one? Uh, my, my fraternity, I was Elroy from the Jetsons. Elroy. <laughs> oh, see, I get, I get the Jetsons reference. Maybe, oh my God. Uh, all right. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Wow. That is a different, I, I would say talk to animals. I do speak Spanish, but I would rather talk to animals. Scale of one to 10, 10 the best. How good of a driver are you? Uh, a 10. 10. Look at that. Invisibility or super strength? Uh, invisibility. Rats or mice? Uh, mice. Uh, if you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Absolutely. And is this the best podcast you've ever been on? Amazingly the best. Yeah, all right. So <laughs> that's a good one. I don't think I got the amazing part. Um, well, listen, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This is like, this is so informative for me and I'm, I'm sure it'll be for everybody else because I've always known about it and I talked to uh, you know, Zach, we always talk back and forth at Field Routes. We're talking about this and, and the the logical utility of something like this, right, for, for a business in the, in the space that we're in. Um, and just for everybody out there, BeFieldFamous.com. You can find more information about the show, this episode. Um, tell your friends, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and remember, your success is fame-worthy, so come tell your story. My friend, thank you so much. Very nice to meet you, and thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. 